Things my dad never said, that's for sure. <laughs> How you doing, Bridge? You doing good? I, I got a Father's Day card one time from one of my sons that said, Dad, I learned everything I know from you except one thing. You opened it up and said, the family card really can't do 110. <laughs> Truth is, most of the dads that I know, including me, learn most of what we think we know from our dads who learn most of what they know about being dads from their dads, and, and, and on and on and it goes. And those are the realities. Welcome to Father's Day weekend at the bridge, and I trust that if you're visiting with us today, you're a guest, that you'll make yourself at home and be blessed, take advantage of all of the opportunities, because we'll treat you so many ways you're bound to like one of them, okay? I'm just glad you guys are here. We're wrapping up a series we've been calling Dysfunctional Family, and we've been looking at some of the common dysfunctions of families and, and looking at what we can do to solve those, those problems. If you missed any of those, you want the manuscripts, you're welcome to get them. The very notes that I use, you can have them by, by going to info at bridgechurch.cc and ask for Goldsboro. And if you want to follow along uh, today, on the, uh, on, go to the Bible app. I'll get it out in a minute, the Bible app. Go to event and Goldsboro campus of the bridge. And all the scriptures, all the points that I'll be making in the message are available to you. And of course, if you do any social media stuff, be sure to do hashtag dysfunctional family, okay? How many of you got a legacy HNL t-shirt so far? Got a few, got a few. They're out there. We're starting a whole new series next weekend. We're calling Legacy HNL to the whole nother level. And what we're going to be talking about in that whole series is, is celebrating the legacy that we have as a church family. Pastor Farrell is finishing up his tenure with us after 27 years of serving this church in amazing kinds of ways. He's finishing up his tenure this weekend, and next weekend uh, we'll be kicking off a celebration of that legacy. But far more importantly, we're not a church family that's going to consume that legacy. We're a church family that's going to build on that legacy. We're going to invest in that legacy for the next generation. And so plan to be with us for the next five weeks. Be a part of that series. In fact, what we really want you to do is get a T-shirt, take a selfie, or get somebody to take it for you, and write us a note. Go to our Facebook page uh, or info at bridgechurch.cc and tell us something about uh, how this legacy has impacted your life because we want to share some of those stories during the series. So you got it? Going to get a t-shirt, going to get a selfie, going to go online, you're going to give us some information, and then we're going to celebrate together through the month of July. Got it? Got it? Today we're talking about dads, and we're talking about uh, some of the pressures that dads have, some of the stuff that dads have to deal with, some of the misinformation that dads often get and what they have to do to deal with that. We did the same thing on Mother's Day, and some of you moms might feel a little neglected while we talk about this, but it's Father's Day. You had your day a few weeks ago. Let's get into it by talking about the reality that even the best dads are confronted with a culture that teaches them things that simply aren't true. Can I get a witness to that? Is there, is there any amens in that? We live in a culture where dads are taught stuff that simply isn't true. So here's what I want to do in the simple, really simple message. I just want to lay out three myths that the culture teaches our dads that, quite frankly, have been perpetuated generation by generation. And, and then I want to show us, in fact, I want to show all you non-dads out there how you can help us dads to deal with those cultures. Is that worth a few minutes of our time? Three myths that the cultures teach. Uh, our dads, and then some of the things that you non-dads can do to help us. Let's get into it. Myth number one is self-esteem comes from what? 
career success. Self-esteem comes from career success. Every psychologist that I've ever read after or ever talked to said uh, that, that human beings need two things. Every human being that's ever lived needs two things. And when you hear it, it'll resonate with you. We need to love and be loved. Can I get an amen? And we need to feel like we're doing something worthwhile with our lives. That, that there's more to life than get up, go to work, pay the bills, retire, and die. There's got to be more than that. There's got to be some purpose, some meaning to it all. And, and, and without, or at the risk, I suppose, of stereotyping, typically uh, women need the first one and men need the second one. Now here's the problem. Is we guys are taught from the very youngest of age that we get that from work. That we get that, self of, that sense of self-worth, that sense of self-esteem. In fact, here's what we're taught. I was taught it, and, and most of you dads in this house, if not all of them, were, were taught it. If you get a good education, you know how it goes, right? If you get a good education and you work hard, two things are going to happen. You're going to make more money, and when you make more money, your increased net worth will increase your sense of self-worth. And it takes most of us an awful long time to finally figure out that net worth and self-worth has absolutely nothing to do with each other. In fact, you're sitting there right now, some of you saying, I'm just not sure that's true. Net worth, self-worth? No, I don't think dads are taught that. Well, it is. I know it's true. Ask any manager what is the most volatile conversation that they ever have, and they will tell you that it's pay cuts. They will tell you the minute they bring it up that, that, uh, that we're going to have to cut salaries, then it creates a stir. Why? Because a raise feels like we're worth more, and a reduction feels like we're worth less. And if we find out a coworker who's at the same level in the organization makes more money than we do, then we begin to wonder why are they more valuable than me. Besides, if you get enough raises, you can start to buy some of the success symbols that go along with that that makes you feel like a success. You can dress successfully and you can drive one of them fancy cars. Wow, look at that guy. He must really be successful. You can own a home in the successful part of town, whatever that means. You know what it means, right? You can eat in restaurants that symbolize success. You know those places, right? That's the ones where they don't give you much food but it's pretty, you know? You have to stop at Burger King on the way home and, just <laughs> and you paid a lot of money for it. That, that, you can go there and those places and you can act like you're really something, right? Kim and I went to one of those places on our anniversary a few years ago. It was one of the best places in town, we were told, and we decided we would go. And it's one of those places where all the wait staff wears tuxedos and they wear, you know, these white things over their arms and just really fancy schmancy. And I walked in and, and the maitre d' had stepped away from the front desk. And, uh, and one of the waiters saw us and he came over quickly and he said, oh, I am, I am so sorry, sir. Our maitre d' has stepped away for just a moment. May I help you? And I said, well, yes, we're Jim and Kim Wall and we have a reservation. And he said, ah, I promise you I will get him momentarily. Please, thank you for your patience. I'll be right back. And he slipped away. He walked about as far as from me to the front row and walked through a, one of those swinging doors into the kitchen. And, and what he didn't realize is that the door swung in when he came, when he went in the kitchen, it swung open the other way as he walked through it. And I heard him say, 
Earl, there's some people out here. Hurry up. <laughs> I don't know where all that fancy went, buddy, but we paid a lot of money for that meal that night because we was successful. That's what happens, guys. Not to mention that raises often are accompanied by titles. I mean, you can be the manager, but the district manager, the regional manager, they give you an office with a window and a view when you make regional manager. Am I right? They throw banquets in your honor when you make vice president. Face it, people treat you differently when you have the trappings of success. Am I the only one in this room? Is this microphone on? It's true, isn't it? I mean, when the church staff first uh, was in, told that, that uh, the elders and the, and the senior leadership team had asked me to become the senior pastor of the church, I ran into James Martin, who's our student ministries pastor. Awesome guy. Riot Ministries, awesome place. Might want to consider volunteering in that group. But James saw me in the hallway, and he said, so do we have to treat you differently now? I, did I change in the last 10 minutes? I said, if you do, I'll fire you, which is kind of ironic because I told him not to, but then I told him that I would fire him if he did, which means I had now have the authority to do that because I have a title now. <laughs> I mean, you add all that together, and, and this myth can be tough to overcome. I mean, it may, you know, we can have some fun with it, but the truth of the matter is, you ask those same men if they love their kids, and they would say, yeah, I'd beat my chest and say, I'll die for my family. And they mean it, but the painful truth is, when you've got to choose between doing a, a pressing school project with your kids versus a pressing work project for your boss, the kids lose more than they win. And of course they do because we got to pay for all those success symbols that we've bought. Let's be honest, guys. Effective fathering feels more like giving and giving than it does getting and getting. And if you aren't careful, if you don't challenge it, the myth that your self-worth comes from career success will overwhelm your parenting practices. We need you non-dads to understand this is a real battle for us this is a real issue and again i understand that ladies have some of these issues but this is father's day weekend we're talking about fathers this weekend right it's not necessarily all that easy for us to balance all this stuff because it's real stuff dads our kids need us to understand that the payoffs for getting it right are incredible we can find that balance there's amazing payoffs because, in fact, in the long run, the money gets spent. The titles ring hollow. The stuff wears out. We come to learn eventually that self-esteem derived from business success is, at the very least, an unsatisfying run. Can I get an amen? Real self-esteem comes from knowing what God says about us. Romans chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. This hope will never disappoint us because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts. When we were unable to help ourselves at the moment of our need, Christ died for us. Although we were living against God, 
Very few people will die to save the life of someone else, but God shows his great love for us in this way. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still thumbing our noses at him. He died for us. And I know that. I get that. I understand that. That defines my life. But every now and then through the years as a dad, I've still had to remind myself, my self-esteem is not based in what people say about me or how much money I make or how many symbols I have. It's based on what Jesus did for me. How much am I worth? That much. I have to remind myself and battle against this cultural myth that self-esteem comes from some hollow thing that ultimately doesn't mean anything. It's taken me a long time, but I'm finally figuring out in my life that if I allow my self-esteem to get fed from my profession, my career, my calling, there's no way I'm going to be the father to the sons to my sons that I need to be. There's no way I'm going to be the grandfather to my grandkids that I need to be. There's no way that I'm going to be the spiritual father to the pastors and, and uh, spiritual children that are around me that are looking to me for help. Ultimately, I cannot be the husband to Kim nor the pastor to you that you need to me, and ultimately we all lose out in the end. So I promised that we'd focus on how non-dads can help us. So how can you non-dads help us? What do you think you can do to help us <coughs> to deal with that reality? First of all, wives, uh, here's what I need you to do, okay? Yes, thanks. I need you to remind us privately and to support us publicly. That's what I need. Uh, if you're going to help me with this, if you're going to help the dads in your life, I need you to remind us privately and support us publicly. Our, our sons are grown now. They have wives and kids of their own. And, and i got to be honest, I look back in my life, and I'm amazed. I met someone today who told me that he met my son just recently. Who He said, your son's really proud of you. He said a lot of things about you, and I'm, I'm amazed. I'm sitting here listening to it, because the truth of the matter is, I bought into the myth in their young lives. And I spent so much time in ministry. It was serving the Lord. This is important stuff that I missed out on an awful lot of events and an awful lot of milestones and a lot of stuff because I was stomping around the Philippine jungles or I was planting churches and, and I've carried my own share of regrets for that. It's kind of amazing that they honor me now, but you know what I think the major factor is in that? It's Kim. Because all the while when she knew what was going on, she's saying to my boys, your dad loves you so much. He wishes he could be here, but what's he's, what he's doing is important. We need to support him. That's what she said publicly. Privately, she said, boy, you better get your act together because you've got your priorities all messed up. <laughs> Thank God for a godly wife that jerked my head around a few times or I don't know where I would be in relationship to my son. So wives, what do you do when, you, when, when your husbands, when the fathers of your children get caught up in this myth? Remind him privately that it's a myth. Support him publicly. Kids, teens, what do you do? Be content with what your dad can provide. Be content. One of the reasons the dad has worked so hard so many hours is the desire to give you the stuff that you ask for. 
And sometimes, you know, dad'll you feel like dad's turning you down for everything, but he's really working hard to try to give you that PlayStation or that Xbox or whatever your favorite thing is. Hey, he's really trying hard. And so if you'll learn to be content, you can take immense pressure off of him. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Learn to get your own sense of fulfillment from your relationship with God and you'll take a lot of pressure off the dads, biological, step, spiritual, adoptive dads in your life. Ready for myth two? Myth two that we dads have been taught is that women prefer the silent type. I'll let that ruminate for just a minute. The myth that women prefer the silent type. I mean, look at, at the leading men in a lot of the movies, and isn't that what you get? You get Vin Diesel and, and Ice-T and, and Gibbs. I love me some Gibbs, you know, NCIS. The strong exterior, few words kind of guys. And they give you the impression that's the type that, that women love. But can I be honest with you and tell you that in all the years that I was doing marriage counseling, the number one complaint that I always got in marriage counseling is that communication had broken down. And here's what I heard from wife after wife after wife after wife. When we were dating, we talked all night. And now I'm lucky to get a grunt. Huh. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, that's all you get. And so we've been taught this, but it just simply isn't true. And I know I hate stereotypes, uh, but let's be honest, guys. We struggle with this thing. We struggle to communicate feelings. Facts? Got it. You want to know what the latest sports stats are? I can hook you up. You, you want to know what to do to fix this thing? I got it. I can fix it. Feelings? Okay, not so much. And we can debate about whether that's nature or nurture, you know. But the bottom line is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 17. An unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. You know what that says to me? It says that reliable communication is at the heart of healing. And hear me, it does not come naturally to any of us, but we dads have been bombarded with the message that women love silent types. It's a lie. So what can you non-dads do to help us? Wives, be patient with us, okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That's your verse. Put it on your refrigerator, put it on the dash of your car, whatever you got to do. We need your help, okay? We've had generations of bad training and, and poor role models in the area of communicating feelings. And we struggle. Let's just be honest. I'm a communicator for a living, but I still struggle with looking Kim in the eye and tell her how I'm feeling. Because it's, it's drilled into us, even when we value it. It's hard for us to live it. And I'm not saying it's easy to be patient with us, but honestly, anybody can be patient with somebody who's getting it right. I'm asking you to be patient with us while we're getting it wrong. Teenagers, what can you do to help us with this one? Be respectful. Be respectful. Understand that 
that we dads tend to be insecure about sharing our feelings. And when we're trying to talk to you and, and we're struggling with our, our feelings, uh, if you throw in a little sarcasm and throw in a little disrespect, we're going to shut down every time or we're going to go over the top and shut you down. That's what's going to happen because it's hard for us to be able to communicate in a loving, gentle kind of way our feelings. So you can bless yourself by giving the dads in your life, again, biological, step, adoptive, spiritual, by giving them respect. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, respect those who lead you in the Lord and teach you. Respect them with a very special love because of the work they do with you. Live in peace with each other. What are we doing this weekend? We're trying to learn the struggles that the fathers in our lives have, and we're trying to learn how to help them. One of the struggles is the myth that self-esteem comes from career success, and the other struggle is that women prefer the silent tribe type when, in fact, communication is huge. Third myth simply is this, and it's my favorite of the bunch. Being sensitive means I'm soft. That's what we were taught. I mean, it's just a huge area that's been ingrained for generations in men. Real men hang tough. All the guys go with me. Uh, uh, that's what we do. Because uh, We can hide our tears. We can swallow our emotions. We can bury that stuff because being sensitive, crying, makes me a girly man. And I don't want to be a girly man, so I'm not going to show you my tears. Now, you may say that's silly, but that's what we're taught. My dad died at 41 when I was 19, and uh, it was tough. I remember vividly standing in the hallway at the funeral home outside the room where everybody had gathered and just losing it. I mean, I just lost it and just pouring it out, just weeping in the hallway. And my uncle, who was a good man, a godly man, a love Jesus with all his heart kind of man, walked up and put his hands on my shoulders, and he said, get a handle on yourself, boy. You're a man now. In other words, stuff it. Push it down. Don't show it, because that's what men do. We're taught in the business world. The sensitivity is a luxury you can't afford. This is business. Heads got to roll. You've got a job to do. You've got a mission to accomplish. You can't be swayed by tears. You can't show a softness or they'll come after you. That, that's just what we're taught. And, and then add to that, I remember when I was a teenager, somewhere, I don't know where this came from, but every man in the room will understand exactly what I'm talking about. There came a time in my teen years when I began to wonder, can I take the old man? Come on. I remember, I was 16. Dad was out in the yard, working in the yard one day, and I thought, this is time. Now, my dad was a little guy. He was 5'7-ish, he was 145 pounds, and, and I'm taller and fatter. And so uh, I'm thinking, I got him. I got this. And so I don't want him to know that's what I'm doing. So I just go out there playfully and start batting at him and pushing at him. We're, we're going to wrestle, Right? We wind up rolling around in the yard, and the next thing I know, I'm on my back. His knee is in my chest. His face is in my face, and he said, you thought you could take the old man, didn't you? 
was just playing, Dad. I was just playing. But he knew what I knew, and I knew he knew what I knew, is somehow in us there is this competitive need for, for toughness. Now, here's the problem. We're trained to be tough. We're trained to, to uh, you know, to, to, to be competitive. And then we go home with our kids, and we're expected to be all tender. We're expected to be all understanding, all that mushy stuff. Sometimes it feels like our heads can explode. I mean, we go to work, and we're, we're beating back the wolves all day, you know, making a living for the family. We're making major decisions. We're signing contracts. We're running at supersonic speed all day, and we finally get home, and we walk in the door, and, our, and your daughter needs to tell you about Barbie's entire wardrobe, and she needs you to pay attention the whole time she's talking. And then your son needs to show you the latest video game that makes you home uh, motion sick when you look at it. I mean, that's what happens. And then your wife says, There's the, the dryer's making a funny noise. You need to fix it right now. Before you know it, you just want to say, I'm out of here. I can't do this. Before you know it, that default training that built into us for generations kind of kicks in. Before you know it, we're just, we're yelling. We're doing stuff we wish we hadn't done, saying things we wish we hadn't said. Later going, where did that even come from? I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying the more understanding you have, the more understanding you can be. And it's a very real struggle. Now, here's the funniest part about the whole thing. When our kids are young, tender is easy. When, uh, when I remember vividly, uh, when Zach was young, we, we got into this little ritual where I would put him to bed, and then Kim would come and do the final tuck-in. And, and she would ask her mom, he would ask her mom, he would say, Mom, I can't remember if Dad kissed me goodnight or not. And I would be outside the door, and I would come in, and I would go monster on him. In fact, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Anybody remember that movie? I was the creature from the Black Lagoon. And I would come in, arr, 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 and I would dive onto his bed, and we would wrestle for a while, and then I would kiss him all over his face, and I'd say, do you remember that I kissed you now? The next night, put him to bed, give him a kiss, go outside the hall, mom tuck him in. I can't remember if dad kissed me goodnight or not. Rawr. That was a ritual. But you know the sad thing? is that I knew that it was going to come to a stop. Now, Zach's married and has his own family. I, I think his wife would think it was weird if I broke into their bedroom tonight and went, Arr! and jumped into bed with him. I think maybe that would be a little over the top, but it was way before he got married, before I knew. I mean, he was about 10 or 11. We're having one of those wrestling matches, and it occurs to me, He's getting strong enough that I'm, e I'm either going to have to fight hard or he's going to hurt me. <laughs> and it was over. It's over. We've come back years later to some genuine tenderness and able to embrace. But it's just, it's one of those dad struggles that I don't understand. I just, I just have to chalk it up to because I know 
from years of being a pastor that, uh, that, that it's a common thing for guys to have to deal with. And again, moms have their stuff, but this is Father's Day weekend. It's something we have to deal with. And uh, we've got to know, guys, we've got to understand, dads, that we are more than a paycheck and a roof and groceries to our kids. We are their umbrella. We are their shepherds. We are their primary role models. And it's critical that if you're going to help your own children, especially your sons, break free from this cultural bondage that has been created, that you find a way with God's help to learn how to be sensitive without being soft. You don't have to be soft to be sensitive. You can be engaged with your emotions and still be a manly man. You don't have to be a girly man. You don't have to be in touch with your feminine side. Just for the record, I don't have a feminine side. But I can cry. I can cry at a drop of a hat if you give me a chance. Because I've learned that you don't have to be soft in order to be sensitive. Jesus was all man and he got it. He's the one who said in Matthew 20, 27 from the King James, whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. The one who has the most authority, let him serve. He said in John 10, 11 through 15, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand sees the wolf coming. He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd, he says. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I lay down my life for my sheep. That's the male role model that we're to look to. Who can be engaged in loving that intensely and not feeling how that somehow we've tapped into our feminine side by doing so. Patrick Morley wrote a book, probably the most famous of his books is called Man in the Mirror. Some of you perhaps have read it. He tells a story in that book about an ill-fated Alaskan fishing trip. A group of, of three men and, and a 12-year-old boy flew into this secluded bay with a with a seaplane had a great day of fishing salmon and all until they were ready to leave and they realized that the tide had gone out and Alaskan tides can range 12 14 feet sometimes and so what's happened is the seaplane has now grounded itself so they had to wait all night in that cold area unprepared for it to wait for the tide to come up to go and when they got in the plane, what they didn't realize is that one of the pontoons had, been, had ruptured and filled with water. And when they tried to take off, the plane flipped. And all three men and the boy went into that freezing water. When two of the men swam toward shore, strong swimmers, they made it pretty easily. They got to shore and they looked back realizing that their third friend uh, was a strong swimmer too, but he had not made it back. And as they studied the ocean, they realized that the boy was not such a strong swimmer and he had 
wrapped his arms around his son's shoulders and the current swept them out to their deaths because that dad would rather die with his son than live without him. And every father in this room right now, if I ask you the question, would you do that? Without hesitation. That's who we are. That's how we believe ourselves to be. That's who we are. So next time dad's a little gruff, a little rough around the edges, cut him some slack because he's doing his best to work through the myths that have been defined for us. At the end of the day, you got a guy, John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. So why don't we help him out? Ease some of those stresses. Let me make a couple of suggestions, and we'll close. Wives, try to be understanding when he's being a manly man and he's embarrassed by his emotions. Don't press him. Be understanding. Proverbs 2.2, 2, listen to wisdom. Try with all your heart to gain understanding. Teenagers, express honor to those fathers, biological, step, adoptive or spiritual, those fathers in your life. Honor him. Ephesians 6 says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Who gets blessed when you honor the fathers in your life? You do. That's who. What am I saying? I'm saying very simply, as simply as I know how, as illustratively as I know how, that there are some myths that we dads have been taught that have to be combated. And it can be a journey for us to get there to where we finally understand and we finally have a handle on it all and we need your help to get there. So on this Father's Day weekend, uh, maybe the best gift you can give the fathers in your life are the suggestions that I've made to you tonight. Go to that Bible app, pull up those notes, read them again, look at some of those uh, uh, suggestions that I've made, look at some of those scriptures and begin to help the dads in your life. I've got to talk to the dads for just a moment before we go. I don't know what it is, but we on Mother's Day we honor moms and on Father's Day we challenge dads. That's just what we do. Dads, you can, you can make it easier by instead of barking orders, take an attitude that says, watch me do what I do. Follow me I'll show you the same path. If you take the attitude that says, just treat others the way you see me treating others. Pray as you see me praying. Be honest as you see me being honest. Say you're sorry as you see me willing to say, I'm sorry I was wrong. Be joyful as you see me being joyful. Read your Bible the way you see me reading my Bible. Live for Jesus the way you see me living for Jesus. Instead of barking orders, instead of waiting for a big event to prove to them how much you love them, 
Just be a role model every day. And watch what God does. I believe we'd see a revolution in our families. And that revolution needs to begin with us dads. So I'm going to ask you in closing prayer to join me in Joshua's prayer from 2415. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will. You want to read it with me? We will. Come on. We will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we confess to you that we get it wrong a lot. And the fact that we live in a culture that bombards us with lies and, and then that, those lies get reinforced across generations doesn't excuse us from the reality that we're getting it wrong and that in the process we often perpetuate the very myths that we're trying to break free from. So we come to a moment like this having heard a message like this and thinking of scripture like this as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and we find ourselves at a crossroads regardless of how young or old our children are if they're a few months or a few decades old it's irrelevant once you're dead you're always dead we find ourselves saying not only do I need Jesus but I got a bunch of people looking at me who need Jesus and I need them to be able to follow me. So guys, would you pray a prayer with me? You pray silently if you want. But a simple prayer that goes something like this. Jesus, I'm sorry for the ways that I've bought into the myths of this culture. Sometimes without even realizing I was doing it. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to help me break free to become the role model that my children need. And not just my biological and step and adoptive children, but my spiritual children, those young people in the Lord, in the faith, that are looking to me as an influence, as a role model. Help me, Lord, to be the father figure you've called me to be and that they need me to be. In Jesus' name. Father, you know who's praying. You know what's going on in their minds right now. I pray for every family that's represented in this room, and I pray that you would allow us not only the confidence that you've heard our prayer and forgiven us for our failings, but that you are right now empowering us to be those dads that we want almost desperately to be. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for coming to the bridge. There's some prayer teams down front. Maybe you need to pray together. Maybe you need to pray alone. Maybe there's just some stuff going on in your life. You need to pray with somebody before you leave. It's critical that you take advantage of that. Don't slip out because you're embarrassed to say it. Take advantage of that thing, okay? Dads, we've got a free gift for you on the way out. We've got a man card that's just really fun and some beef jerky and a free beverage at the coffee shop. So thanks so much for coming. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.